This is Deads on the Podcast presents Warzone Eternal. Welcome to the Dead Zone Podcast. Dead Zone is the sci-fi tabletop. Welcome back to another episode of Warzone Eternal. Uh, I am your host, Rick, and I'm here with Alex and Rick Doc. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Awesome. Have you gotten some sleep? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's actually the only thing I've been doing. <laughs> uh, you, so what? You look like you've gotten some sleep because the last time I, you and I chatted, there's a couple days ago, yeah. you were like, he, his hair was all like, when he, when the video popped up and he's like, I was like, Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's been uh, what five five days. Yes, mm-hmm. five days since it, it ended. Yeah, so I mean, th- there's a bunch of stuff that happened right after, right? Like, um, you know, here's here's emails you should send to your backers, and you know, this is how long it's going to take for funds to show up. Yeah, and you know, just mm-hmm. boom, 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 boom. Here's your marketing bill. Here's your you know, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. um, all that behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so a ton of stuff, but yeah, no, I. Uh, uh, other than playing Diablo Four, I have. I, I <laughs> Everybody have, is playing Diablo yep, Four right now. I have gotten. I am not. I've gotten some sleep, and uh, yeah, no, I feel rejuvenated and uh, excited and ready for the the next stage of the Warzone Eternal product uh, project, and uh, excited to be here. So, what nice. did the Kickstarter end at? Uh, One sixty two and some change. Very nice. Yeah. No. So yeah. we were, uh, I think, two hundred and. 33% of our awesome. funding goal. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was, it was a lot of fun watching uh, the interactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it was fun watching. Like, I know we talked about the whole, um, what are they called when they open up? The stretch goals. Stretch goals. Like, you didn't want a lot of the that whole stretch goal game that some of the Kickstarters have. It, but what you released, like, people were, like, biting to get what's next, what's next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they'd see it and it was like, that's awesome. Yeah. Like the amount of people that talked about your miniatures and the way they looked and how excited they were about that was huge from what we talked about before where you stopped it before and came back and said, no, we're doing it better. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there were a couple people, um, and, and I realize preferences are always going to be personal, oh, yeah. but um, there were a couple people who said, right, these are the best iterations of what they feel Wars with Miniatures should look like that they've ever seen. And as someone who, right, th- this project is super... Uh, this is a passion project. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's super personal, super important to me. To hear people say, like, man, you hit the vibe exactly right. I mean, that, that's exactly That's got to be an wanted. awesome feeling. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was absolutely incredible. And um, then we point at the people that say the word vibe and go, millennial. I'm, 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 kidding, I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not a millennial. I'm not that young. No. <laughs> Thanks for reminding that there are no millennials in this room. Oh. Are there not? No. No. no we, are, we 
yeah. you're too old for that. No, I, like like you said, watching the progression of the of the Kickstarter from beginning to end was kind of fun too. Yeah, uh, not just with the stretch goals that kept opening up and the, how they were just ravenous and rabid about what was next. Yeah, but uh, like the last seventy two hours <laughs> on that Kickstarter was a lot of fun. It was, yeah. I mean, they're you know, Kickstarters traditionally have always had that kind of bell curve shape, yeah. right? And so. Now, last year, right when we decided to cancel the Kickstarter, one yep. of the things that I had noticed in doing um, you know, research for for other projects that were running uh, contemporaneously or just prior was that we just weren't seeing that that last seventy two uptick. Yeah, and so yeah, I had no way of knowing whether or not we were going to experience any of that, and so we we were stuck for a couple of days at a funding level where they could see. You know the the nephrite of Elgaroth. They're like, we yeah. want that, we want that, mm-hmm. we want yes. that, but we weren't just we just weren't making much progress. And then, and then we hit that last seventy two hour <laughs> mark, and it's like people realize, okay, yep, I, I got to make the decision: am I going to participate or I'm not going to? And we not only did we blow past him, right? Mm-hmm. I had to I had to come up with a couple more stretch goals. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, so for me, when I talk about the things that I enjoyed watching, was watching like. Your, your hairline recede a little bit. <laughs> the gray come in, right, as we chat and yeah. such. Oh, yeah. Seeing all that, that's what I enjoyed, right? So when I say last 72, yeah. yeah that was he, he means the, the, the 72 hours I lost from my life. <laughs> <laughs> that was, you just lost one year. Yeah. How do you feel? <laughs> so what I really enjoyed, what I enjoyed watching on the social media platforms was well, crap! Now I got to go back and I got to change my backing. I need that, that, and that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, nice. Yeah, because no, it, it was it was funny because they were like, okay, I was gonna go Mishima. Nope. Now I'm going Cybertronic. Yeah, go Cybertronic. Now it looks so good. <laughs> now I'm just gonna go for all of it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, we ended up with an average pledge level, um, <clears throat> suggesting that everybody was probably picking up out the rule book. Two starter boxes and then a couple units to su- yeah. um, support those starter boxes, or they intend in the you know the pledge manager to pick just a bunch of starter boxes for two factions. <laughs> but the uh, but yeah, so overall the the funding funding level per backer was was good and it was at a level again that kind of suggests some sustainability, right? Yeah, People nice. wanting getting enough stuff that they and a buddy can play. Yeah, and that's you know that, that, that's really the goal, right? Is to yeah, and that's what you wanted was just people to play Warzone Eternal because. Yeah. One hundred percent. I mean, or, or just you know, the goal to just to get the game produced yeah. and have enough other people who like what we're doing that <laughs> that want to play the game with me, right? Yeah, that, that's, yeah. That's kind of what what it is, right? Is that, yeah, I would have been more than happy if I could have just had a whole bunch of bespoke Warzone miniatures sculpted <laughs> and had a really amazing collection. Um, you know, the fact that, that we're doing something that allows other people to participate in that yeah. and, you know, creates a foundation for a game to grow is, is just icing. Um, so yeah, yeah I mean, we're, awesome. we're looking forward to, you know, we're looking forward to you know, the, the conventions we'll be attending, um, you know, especially once we start fulfilling. Yeah. Right. I mean, if, if, if we're able to beat our scheduled goal and we've got fulfillment starting, um, or at least partially done by the time mm-hmm. Adepticon rolls around next year, that's going to be amazing. Oh, oh my yeah. God. I can't even think about what that's going to look like. Yeah, if, definitely. Because obviously you've already paid for your booth. Yeah. It will be there, right? <laughs> You're so, going to be so, there. So we're going to be there. Yep, exactly. All right, so the booth will be set up. But if people already have product in hand. Yeah. And we. That's going to be amazing. Think about the events. 
right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you're gonna be you're gonna be torn, bro. Are you gonna go do the mantic room? Or are you gonna come down and do Warzone? <laughs> yeah, that's right? tough. That's tough. Right? Are you gonna be splitting your time? Right? And then Ronnie Renton is gonna be like, hey, uh, what, what, what's going on? Hey. <laughs> uh, Rick, I just want to make it clear. I I'm not trying to create divided loyalty for you. Uh leave that up to Rick Talk to be uh I mean, that's what he does, right? I mean, that's what he does. Ronnie, Ronnie is going to be like, he come down to the booth, like, ah, he's going to be like, Alex, Mike, well, you know what? What are you doing? You know, I've got all these people that I've, de- I've relied upon for all these years. You're an adepticon, and you're just stealing them from me. Right? Well, that's my I, best I British mean, accent. It was, it was not bad. Oh, actually, for all of our British listeners, if that was a bad accident, accent, we apologize. It was an accident. Well, it's funny because it's not really like for me personally. Uh, it's not actually dividing. It's like like blowing it up. Because um, mm-hmm. when you brought me onto this and we started talking about doing the podcast episodes and getting in on the playtesting and getting involved. It blew my mind to be at literally the ground floor and working up and then obviously going all the way to this point where the Kickstarter is successful. Now it's what do we do next? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I'm over here doing 10 years with we're celebrating 10 years this year for Deads on the Podcast. Um, Nerds. <laughs> maybe. I, and Brian and I are just bubbling at the seams with excitement for all of it. Well, and I think that, you know, so then you become a like perfect example of, of really my perspective on the miniatures gaming market and hobby anyways, yeah. right? Which is there is room. Oh, there's, there's plenty there's of room for more companies. There are opportunities for people to play multiple games. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I have... It doesn't hurt that Warzone Eternal and Dead Zone are both sci-fi skirmish games, but... Yeah. yeah. No, well, one of, <laughs> but I think it also, yeah, it... Because they're both sci-fi skirmish games, yeah. it means that there's enough room in your collection for both. Yes. And they both give you different experiences. Oh, yeah. They play different. completely different. Right. So, so And they're both super enjoyable. Exactly. So the, there you've got the opportunity now to play two different games with a collection that is much smaller than what it takes yes. to play other games. Yes. Um, and so last time, we got to sit there and play a game. Um, I now know what Brian feels like with having horrible dice rolls. <laughs> because it, Brian rolls like that when he plays me dead zone. Okay. Like, he always has horrible rolls. And now I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you still came away with a victory, though. I so. did, because you didn't play the objectives. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Brotherhood, overzealous. <laughs> so what's next as far as the Kickstarter? The uh, pledge manager comes out? So... Do you yeah, have that information yet? Unfortunately, is... the pledge manager doesn't just come out. Yeah. The fl- pledge manager has to be built. Built. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, th- that doesn't – we don't even begin working on that, right? Okay. Until things like the um, uh, the Kickstarter you know, backer reports are produced, right? Yeah. And so, we're at a point right now where you know, there, are, there are a certain number of people who, because of uh, credit cards that have expired or oh yeah some so there's a number of Those backers of right who just who their um their pledges haven't been processed okay and so we don't even have an actual backer count yet right because we because all of those if they can't be processed Kickstarter will just cancel the pledges and yep. they, unfortunately they don't get a chance to participate in the campaign sure. 
Um, so once, yeah, once we've got that, um, once the money has been transferred, you know, minus the Kickstarter fees and yep. the credit processing fees and everything, um, then yeah, then we start working on the pledge manager. And I think, and, and this is that part that I don't think backers actually understand when they're like, okay, the Kickstarter is done. Where's my backer? Where's my, I want a pledge manager yeah. so I can do this and I can do this. It's like, there's actually a lot going on. Well, yeah. I mean, so you think about, <clears throat> we started out with a pretty constrained Kickstarter, right? Here, here are the pledge levels. Yep. And you know, the only things that really mattered were you were going to have to select which starter boxes you wanted. Yeah. That, that was it. And then we started hitting stretch goals. So now we've got add-ons and the add-ons are unit boxes for each faction and single models for each faction and dice. And we got a t-shirt and extra copies of the rule books and acrylic markers and short stories. Short. Yeah. The short story compilation, yeah. the, um, the decals from, uh, from death ray design. So we've got all of those things. Those are all now add-ons that all have to be built into the pledge manager so people can select them. Yeah. And because a lot of people wanted to be able to switch the contents of their pledges, mm -hmm. we've also got to be, uh, build in there the functionality to allow people to say, yeah, I, I don't want my, my pledge rewards. I want this. Instead. And then they re basically rejects it. And then the amount of money they pledge just it's becomes credited. credit. Yeah. Credit to, use to put pick additional sure. stuff. Yeah. Yep. And so all of that stuff, right. Backer kit has a system. Mm -hmm. So you have to work within that system, meaning that all of that functionality, you have to figure out a way to make backer kit, allow that to happen. Ooh. <laughs> right, right. So, so it's a lot. Yeah. So there's there's a level of constr construction there. Um, you know, some consideration before you start messing with things. Yeah. Um, you know, the BattleTech uh, Mercenaries Kickstarter. Yeah. You know, they had a situation where, um, you know, the add-ons that people selected in Kickstarter, mm -hmm. those were locked. So when they went into uh, Backer Kit, those add-ons were in there and they couldn't remove them. So oh. if somebody had changed their mind, yeah. So they sorry. were stuck. Yeah. So, Ouch. so you've had to figure, they've had to figure out ways to make that work. Yeah. So similarly for us, we know that there are going to people be people who are going to say, I really like too. to, yeah, get something else. So can we make that happen? Okay. Right. So, yeah. So uh, the creation of the pledge manager is going to start in the next couple of weeks. Okay. Wow. And that'll be, that'll be a significant task. <laughs> um, we've also, uh, I've had a conversation with our miniatures production partner. All right. And so, you know, he's got files. Uh, we're going to spend probably the next two months going through. So everyone's seen the prototype STLs. Yes. Right? They've seen the prototypes that we've printed off and painted, used for demos yeah. or battle reports. Um, now we need to go and do the pre-production review, mm -hmm. right? Oh, okay. Yeah, the models. Like, yeah. Where are things that are too thin that they're not going to cast well? Where, yep. where do we have voids inside of a digital file that need to be backfilled? Um, all of those things. And then, you know, where the cut line is going to be so that they fit in the molds. Yeah. Um, so all that stuff has to be done. So the, the hope is that we've got all that wrapped up by the end of the summer. Okay. So that come, you know, early fall, we're literally doing nothing but just pushing, churning, pushing molds through <laughs> the, the CO cast machine. Right. Yeah. Um, and if we can do that, then we'll, we'll be on, we'll be on a really good uh, pace. Um, awesome. But yeah. Um, Rick Talk has put me in contact with a guy to talk about packaging, right? This you know, other stuff I've had to learn. Like, <laughs> okay, great, here yeah. are miniatures. I'm not just going to give you a baggie full of miniatures, right? <laughs> packaging has to happen. So, so what is that going to look like, and how yeah. do we source it? Right. Um, 
we have retail backers who are going to want stuff that they can put on the put shelf. On the shelf yeah. So again, we can't just send them a bag full of miniatures. <laughs> no, right? It doesn't work. Right. So, so yeah, all of those kind of things now happen while we're also working on finalizing the rules, right? We've got, <laughs> yep. we've got the rules to a point where we're playing games and they're yeah. not going to change, but little things like, is the recoil modifier in a Southpaw RPG, is that a The balancing. Right. Freaking Southpaws. Southpaws, yeah, exactly. What's wrong with Southpaw? <laughs> Are you a lefty? Yes. I knew it. What's wrong with Southpaws? <laughs> you know, I didn't even think about that. We probably should have put the Southpaw rocket launcher in the models of the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Um, yeah, so, so working through that stuff, and then... Mm. I've also already started talking to Anwar, our concept artist. Okay. Um, and we've already started concepting um, designs for the post Kickstarter miniatures because oh. we, we got to get that that stuff rolling. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, people have seen the uh, proof of concept Imperial Wolfbane that yep. we did. Uh, so right, we need to turn the proof of concept into an actual unit of models. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so we've got. Um, a lot it, still to do. A lot to do, but it's actually the, the part that I enjoy more, right? Okay. Which is just the work. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Get, get the stuff done. Figure out how to make it work and get it done. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I am as many of our as many of our supporters noted. Yeah. The the marketing and constantly answering <laughs> questions and being on is is just it's not 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 what I prefer. So. <laughs> um, now I'm going to do the stuff that, that I'm good at, yeah. and we're going to get a product produced for people. Awesome. Nice. Now, you mentioned something about a recoil on the Southpaw thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, does that affect what we're going to talk about next? Because it, 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 it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, yes and no. <laughs> the, the the attempted setup for a transition was good, but thanks, man. It, it, not quite. There. Not quite there. <laughs> so it's it, like it a lefty playing in it, a sport. It, it could have yeah. been there. You could have been like, well, in regards to recoil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm like, and recoil how to do it. and recoil how how it affects reaction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Taking the recoil negative modifier into account, when someone shoots at you, you may choose to dive for cover. Nice. <laughs> I nice. mean, that, that's, I a, mean, that's a bit of a stretch. I, it's a stretch. Yeah. We're going to take a break real quick, and we'll come back and talk about reactions. Nice. This is Kevin Riddle, and you're listening to Dead Zone, the podcast. That's right, Riddle. Not Reed Lay, not Reed La, not Rydell, not Riddell. Riddle, just like it's spelled. All right, welcome back. That was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome. So, yeah, let's talk about reactions and how the reaction system work in the game. Yeah. That... Southpaws need. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, you know, now that I know that there are Southpaw uh, weapon systems with a recoil uh-huh. uh, issue. In the right hand. In the right hand. <laughs> well, in the right hand. In the, in the left hand, there's no recoil. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I need all of those. Yes. Um, yeah. So recoil, or reactions. <laughs> um, 
so one of the things that we decided to do, right, uh, now, now a hallmark, right, of old school Warzone play was that you had alternating activations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the time, in the late, or the mid to late 90s, there just weren't a lot of games out there doing it, right? It was, yeah. I activate my side, do everything with my force, and now you do everything with your force. Um, and so having alternating activation meant that the game was significantly more engaging because the time between your turn was only a couple minutes. Yeah, instead of go over, read a book. Right, exactly. <laughs> while your, your opponent's doing his turn, yeah. Yep, 100%. So one of the things that I brought up to Brian early on was I want a reaction mechanic. Because I, I want people to be engaged in the game. The whole game. All the time. Yeah. So even when it's you, your opponent's turn and they're activating their one model, or let's say they've got like trenchers A and group. they're activating two, yeah. We want trencher days. <laughs> All hail trencher days. <laughs> <laughs> we, we want the opportunity for you to still um, have something to do, potentially, yeah. right? And so uh, we introduced a reaction mechanic. Now, the other thing we did is because Warzone Eternal only has two actions on average per model, we decided that, you know, the reaction replicated something from old school Warzone, right? There was a, uh, what was known as a wait action. Okay. And what that basically meant was you put, you spent an action on your turn to put a model on wait, and then you could potentially do something on an opponent's activation. Sure. But what it meant, right, was you're spending an action to do it, and then a lot of... You'd have games where, like, <laughs> everybody like, would kind be... Kind of like holding your action in D&D. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but you'd have games, right, where um, you know, my entire squad, okay, I'm going to move twice and then wait. And all these guys are going to wait. Okay, well, I'm going to move these two guys over here, take a shot, now I'm going to wait. And so you had this constant... <laughs> <laughs> wait. Right. And, wait. And it was, so it was wait. Like, this constant attempt to, you know, just get that that perfect moment where you were at a slightly better advantage than your opponent and then, yeah. you know kind of all the dominoes fell. And that was fine, but it was contrary to the type of, you know, frenetic action I wanted in the game. Yeah. So the idea was, no, you just, you get a reaction. Yep. So everyone has only got two actions. Um, and that that's something, right, that Cronopia, which was the, the fantasy sibling to Warzone back in the day, okay. that's one of the things that they did is they had a reduced action count and it made the game move quicker. Sure. Uh, so, so two actions, but everyone's got a reaction. So, um, and you have to, so to have a reaction, you have to have, nice, uh, you have to, or once you've used your reaction, you don't get another one, or is there? For, for the turn. Oh, for the turn, okay. Yep. So, yeah, so basically what happens is, <laughs> when you start your turn, all of your models are clear of any counters other than wounds, or if they're out of ammo or they're pinned. But as the turn progresses, when you activate a model, you put an activation counter on them. Right. Mm-hmm. Shows that they can't be activated again this turn. When you um, perform a reaction with a model, you place a reaction counter on them. Shows that they can't be reacted or cannot perform a reaction again. Now, there are ways to mess with that, right? Cybertronic with their yep. net- networked ability Networking. allows you to potentially remove a reaction counter and put it on a friendly model so that that original model can now react again. Um, right. You're still limited to the fact that everyone's reacting because once. That, because that other one is no longer able to react. Exactly. Right? Thus yes, exactly. So so there are ways that reaction counters could be consumed that don't entail actually doing anything. Right? I, I, now I want to play, you know, Cybertronic. Cybertronic is awesome. Because yeah. that, that's the thing I do in other games is yeah. I, I'll be like, how can I – that guy's a lot closer, but he's already done a reaction. 
I want, I'm going to go ahead and move that and yeah. allow him to do it. Well, and so I, I mean, yeah, I like that. When oh. when we introduce reactions sure. and activate well, activations, obviously are part of the game always. But when we act uh, introduce reactions, what it did is it gave us another resource pool, and so it gives us another place to play, right? Because yep. now we've got opportunities. Like we could have, like for instance, let's say we get to Moahe, which is the um, Dark Legion. I don't know. Yeah, you tell you know, me, Rick. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know you what that is, but this is one of the, this. So for the, everybody listening, uh, <laughs> before we started this podcast today, uh, Alex had, had told Rick that he was going to put so much Mutant Chronicles knowledge <laughs> in his brain that he will wake up in the middle of the night and be like, Mishima. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, and that this is that was a moment where I, I was That like, was completely he's, that moment. He's, he's literally laser-eyeing <laughs> you with like, information. <laughs> Right. So, so Mahe is one of the Dark Legion apostles, right? Okay. So, in Wars on Eternal, uh, the Kickstarter, we have Elgaroth, and Elgaroth yes. is the most warlike of the apostles. So, it's the one that makes the most sense to be in the Kickstarter to start with. Mahe is the um, Dark Legion apostle of like madness, right? Nice. So, for, we could introduce a mechanic, for instance, that would allow somebody to force a reaction counter on a model, enemy model. Therefore, <laughs> preventing them from being able to react. Yeah, right. Right. So, so it gives us another resource that we can do things with, and that was that. That yep. was what we wanted to do. Is we don't want a ma- we don't want a massively broad system with that you have to learn all these subsystems. Yeah, we wanted to be able to create a number of core components to this game that we could then mess with. Right. Well, now that yeah, I, I that I don't know all these. He's going to have be waking up going, <laughs> <Right>. Mishima. <laughs> well, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm imagining is if that particular uh, disciple yep. uh, has troops on the field and they're like, no, you are gonna, you're going to get a reaction token. Yep. Well, they, they should be able to do something with it, you know, in that reaction. Yeah, you have to attack the closest model to you. Sure. Because that's madness. Yep, right. right. And that could be a, a friendly model, friendly fire. Yep. I'm like, yep. yeah. <laughs> but, but again, I mean, we're doing that and we're not creating a new resource to enable that. It's right. still, yeah. something has to be paid in order to do yeah. this. A debt. Right. So, <laughs> so in Warzone Eternal, what exactly, what are the reactions that you can take? Yeah, so there are, there are four reactions. Okay. Um, the, the first one is, so the, let's do the most complicated one, right? To start you need to start with ambush? <laughs> so, so ambush is, uh, you know, for people who've played other uh, tactical miniatures games with reaction type systems, ambush is the classic, I'm going to interrupt you as you're moving across this open field and I'm going to shoot you in the middle of your action. Nice. Now, that's a really powerful ability. Right. So in order to perform an ambush, you have to actually expend both your activation and your reaction counter. Okay. So if you have you're act- done. Yeah, so if you activated <laughs> that model, it doesn't matter that he doesn't have a reaction counter on him, he still can't ambush. Right. So so you have to really make use of that at the right time because you are foregoing that model's activation that turn. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, if you don't want to do that and you're willing to let's say somebody shoots at you, potentially survive? <laughs> potentially survive, you can choose to counterattack. And yep. so that expends your reaction counter or places a reaction counter on the model and after the enemy's attack action has been resolved and you're still alive and you're still alive <laughs> you can then counterattack and so perform an attack out of sequence okay. which i for me i really like that part of it because it in some games i've played where 
okay, you're going to shoot at me. Okay, I decide I'm going to shoot back at you. Right. And I kill you mm-hmm. so I don't take anything. Right. Well, that's not really how it should work. But I like how this system is like, okay, if I survive, I get to shoot back at you. Right. I like that part of that mechanic. But if that, so let me, so let me visualize this out. So if I'm running across a field to get to, to, get to another point, mm-hmm. right? And in mid, in mid run, you're like, I'm going to snipe this cat. Who's this fool running around the field? I'm going to put him out. Bam, smack. Ambush. I survived the ambush. You get your reaction token, right? I can then react to that firing, right? You can as a reaction. Only, you can only react when you are not the active player. Oh, so if you're yeah. if you've got a mile oh. activated and you're running, and somebody ambushes you, mm-hmm. you it's cannot it. then counterattack with that model oh. because then you end up with this crazy scenario where, okay, I um, I'm going to do this. <clears throat> I shoot at you. I'm going to react. Oh, I'm going to react to your reaction. It becomes a now, Magic the Gathering stack. Yeah, okay. and, and so you could potentially yeah. have. Everyone on the Stupid. table all looking and have line of sight. So they all start reacting back and forth. So, yeah. So, so I, that's a real thing, though. Oh, sure. In real yes. wars. Oh, no, it is. 100%. But, right, like, I mean, with all with all games like this, yeah. with all simulations, there's a certain level of abstraction you just have to accept. Oh, no, of course. So, yeah. no, I mean, we... And, and I mean, I, Rick Talk, you are a master at skirmish games. So no, I'm a master you totally at, get it. at Dead Zone. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will say, to that point... The very first iteration of Warzone Eternal included that exact mechanic. Right. So, no. and we were we were looking at it just saying, well, wait a minute. We potentially have just consumed every single reaction token in the board <laughs> in one furious firefight. Yeah. And yeah, well, <laughs> it does, but for a different game. Sure. Yeah. So we realized it didn't work there. So yeah. Right. So a couple, there are a couple. And so let's step back before we look yep. at the four reactions. There are a couple universal rules. So you can only ever react when you are the reactive player, so not okay. the active player. Okay. Yes. You can never react in if you've already had a reaction counter on you okay. unless you have a special rule that says otherwise. Mm-hmm. And only one reactive model can react to any trigger, meaning I can't have two <coughs> models ambush, ambush. you. Right. So, yep. But if you were to move twice... Mm-hmm. Then I could. You move once, this guy ambushes you. You survived. You move a second action, I'm going to ambush you with another model. Because okay. those become two, two different, different things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and yep. that makes sense. Yep. So only one reaction per triggering action. Yeah. And, and for everybody listening, I also want to apologize if I sound like Nick Frost from Hot Fuzz. <laughs> you have a jump with two guns blazing in the air across a vehicle? Because that's what I sound like. I feel like I sound like I'm Nick Ross asking those kinds of questions, right? You ever just, lay, after after a firefight, lay down and shoot straight in the air because you're so angry? You know? Is that, would that be a reaction? <laughs> Hey, I think that would be a reaction to rolling a 20. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that might be your reaction. Well... Um, so, yeah, so, so, so ambush is the most difficult. Ambush, yes. simply because it costs the most, right? Okay. Your activation and your reaction, and there is a timing thing, right? There's, it's a very specific. Right, and and so we, we had to include certain rules, like, okay, what happens if, like, the active player is charging me, and I decide Ooh. to shoot them, and they survive, right? Like, what, are, are they allowed to continue that charge? Um, now, if... I'm the active model. I'm charging you. Right. And Rick over here decides to ambush me and shoots me. Can I then change the direction of my charge and go after him instead? So we had to. So it's yeah. the, the most complicated. That being said, when I say most complicated, it's literally like 
two paragraphs as opposed right. to a single paragraph. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like if if the, in that scenario of a charge on a character, I, you're charging me, and he, he I jump in and he and I ambush ambushes and you survive. Why would you do that? Because now I can ambush you if you're line of sight. Because there's only if it's a, a single action, right? So right. it's my charge action. Right. If he it's ambushes, still his, oh, yeah. charge is a one, one charge action. is one yeah. action. Right. Charge. So, but a charge is. So one, yeah, right. a charge is a, is a movement. So, but, so but, in that but, scenario. But he has two actions. You, he has two scenarios. But, it, but if I get to him right. in that one action, then mm. nobody can, if he, he can't ambush again. If right. he charges you and right. I decide to ambush him. Right. And I get him pinned. Mm. He still has another action. Right. Which he could then charge again. Right, and then charge you that, and then I can shoot. Not him. when he's pinned. Right, right now. <laughs> but yeah, right. yeah. So we're getting into levels. <laughs> we really are. Like, that. yeah. I mean, they, people just need to look at the rules. Right. Okay. <laughs> but I yeah, I mean, so all right. No, the thing is, like, you might choose to charge him because yeah. he's ambushed. He's used his activation and reaction. He can't do I anything can't do for the rest anything. of the turn. He's not going to be able to counterattack. Right. So it might make more sense to go attack him because if I don't kill him in my charge, I know he's not going to be able to attack me this turn. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So so we had to create rules <laughs> that say, like, okay, how do we resolve that situation? Yeah. Something like counterattack is significantly more straightforward. Whoever's attacking you, you can attack against them or right. make an attack against them once their attack action has been resolved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are the two. Um, so those are two of them. Uh, the third one is dive for cover. Yay. Mm. And so this is in response to being targeted by an enemy's shoot action. Yep. So either a direct fire, like somebody shooting with a rifle, or you get caught in an area of effect, like an explosion. Mm-hmm. Once that's happened, um, you can choose to dive for cover. This is, again, like there's always caveats, right? This is a scenario where you could have multiple models react to a single action. Because if you have three models that are all hit by the same explosive template... They can all choose to die for cover. Okay. And that again, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. And so what that does is it gives you an armor bonus against that attack action. Mm -hmm. And we had played for a bit with actually moving the models. And and then we just realized that okay, it slows the game down and it creates Mm -hmm. gamey situations where people are like, Oh, I dive for cover closer to the enemy. So now I'm in charge range next time. (laughs) And 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 that kind of stuff was just it's not needed. And every single time we found ourselves in a situation where there was, we realized that we were creating a rule that could create just enough ambiguity that people could argue, we struck it. Yeah. Because I don't, I want people playing the game. I don't want people Arguing looking at the rules, rules and trying to understand what it means. Yeah. So, no, if you die for cover, you get an armor bonus. The net effect is the same, it increases your potential survivability. It's just a much cleaner, simpler mechanic. Yeah. Um, and then the last one was Parting Blow. And that one is, you know, anyone who's played a game, very you know familiar with that concept. You're engaged with somebody, base-to-base contact. They move away. You get to make a free attack on them uh, as they attempt to do so. Right on. So those are the four reactions. Hey. 
Hey, I'm Chopper. I'm Brian. And I'm Rob. From Mobile Armor Radio. And you are listening to Dead Zone, the podcast with Rick and Brian in the morning. Never heard of it. (laughs) I don't even know who those guys are. I hit buttons the wrong way. (laughs) It's not my deck. I'm still trying to figure it out. Doing wonderful. So that's the rundown of reactions for everybody. Yep. Uh, so unfortunately, we don't have Rick talk for another segue, <laughs> but <laughs> might be for the better. <laughs> so I had a chance to play you. Yep. And we played. Um, what did you What did you bring again? Brotherhood. Brotherhood. Yep. So Brotherhood, obviously, they're very against the Dark Legions yep. and Agaroth, but there there's some mistrust on some other of the factions, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, one of those factions happens to be Mishima. That is correct. So why don't you tell me a little bit about Mishima? Okay. So uh, Mishima is the uh, human megacorporation kind of descended from, uh, you know, East Asian uh, region of what was once Earth. Yeah. Uh, specifically centered around Japan and kind of the, um, I don't want to say stereotypes, so it's, Sort of, you know, kind of typecast, um, sure. you know, feudal ancestry or feudal heritage yeah. you know, that comes from that. So they they very much took the the idea of you know a samurai nobility mm-hmm. and um, you know families that owe fealty to families above them and on and on and up. Uh, yep. uh, so they took that idea and kind of meshed it with you know the nineteen eighties view on you know uh, Japanese manufacturing and innovation. To create this idea of of the Mishima Corporation. Okay. Um, so yeah, so Mishima is led by the Overlord, who is the the highest ranking member of the family. Yeah. Um, and then underneath the Overlord are you know his three uh, feuding siblings. Okay. And then below them, right, would be some some high level ranking family member. Um, who owns some large corporation, who has a bunch of sub-corporations underneath them, and down and down, all the way to the lowest level person in the corporation. <laughs> so everyone owes fealty to somebody other than the Overlord. Yeah. Now, now the Overlord is, at this point, uh, rumored to be just some old man who lives on Luna, you know, protected by a thousand Hatamoto, and no one sees him, and he's purely ceremonial. And that all the power is actually held by his three siblings. Hmm. Um, now, the nice thing is there's a lot of things that are unexplained in the background. So maybe he's far more involved than we actually know. Yeah. Um, these are not holes that we intend to fill. Because <laughs> the whole point, you leave a bunch of gray area and people yeah. get to do fun things. In yes. There. So your story is whatever the heck you want it to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then so he has his three feuding siblings, uh, Lord... Moya, oh man, no. <laughs> Luckily, he brought a book. That's <laughs> Moya, Maru, and Mariko. That's okay. Could narrow the last one. And so, um, uh, Moya, being the oldest of the siblings, is the uh, lord of Mishima's holdings on Mercury. Mercury is the is the ancestral homeland for Mishima. Okay. Uh, Maru is the lord of. Uh, Mishima's domains on Venus, and then Mariko is on Mars. Okay, and so you know, Moya, the oldest in the territorial holdings of Mishima, 
uh, on Mercury is the most powerful or is kind of almost looked at as the de facto leader for the corporation at this point. Uh-huh. Um, Mariko is the least powerful. She's the farthest away from the, uh, um, the home Everything. base. Yeah. And, and also like on a planet that is almost completely dominated by capital. <laughs> yep. Um, so it's for, forced her, for instance, to yeah. have a slightly better relationship with the Brotherhood. Yes. Um, whereas Moya can you know, maintain kind of the mystic traditions that Mishima has developed over the years um, that the Brotherhood finds suspect. And, and he, uh, he can lean on that okay. and lean on kind of the spiritual teachings that yeah. are unique to Mishima. So, yeah, so that's, it's a cool um, it's a cool faction in that um, each one of these three siblings you know, approaches their relationship with the other corporations fundamentally differently. <laughs> and in the past, right, they've, they've introduced unit types that are kind of specific to each one of those three siblings. Yeah. Now, I don't know when we're going to get to that point, right, because now you're really kind of diving into the weeds. You're creating specific unit types for you know, specific sub-factions. Yeah. Um, but the opportunity is there. Yeah, and if I'm correct, you do have a little bit of that with capital right now. Well, from a lore perspective. From a lore perspective, yeah. yeah. I mean, so we've got, yeah, the Sunset Strikers. Which are, have a little bit of that ancestry yeah. knowledge. Yep. So the Sunset Strikers are um, Capital's regiment that is um, housed on, on Mercury. Yeah. They protect the uh, the Capital interest there. And because of the, the the lengthy period of time that they've been stationed there, they've taken on a number of the Michigan cult uh traditions and cultures and again it depends on we've talked about this before it depends on which book you look at yeah which author was involved but some say that you know simply because of their respect for mishima you know they've adopted these traditions um other uh, sources have said that they saved one of the you know, high-ranking lords from an assassination attempt and therefore were bestowed the opportunity to carry ceremonial blades <laughs> but ultimately capital ends up being this um it's funny, right? So much of this stuff feels like it's pulled from some 1980s um, American Hollywood take on something. Yep. So, so the Sunset, <laughs> Sunset Strikers feel like, you know, some American ninja, right? Yeah. And so, so they're your GI Joe guys who, yep. who you know, carry katanas along with their assault rifles. Um, hey, it works. Yeah, it's cultural appropriation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. How's it going, Jeff? Good. How are you guys? We're good. Good. Hey, can I say something real quick? Yeah. One hundred and sixty-three thousand dollars. <laughs> Holy crap! Congratulations. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. We were talking about that before. That uh, um, I, only now do I look like uh, somebody who has restored some level of sanity. Yes, <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> Took a little while to wear off, I it bet. Did. Yeah. It did, yeah. I was tired. You know, it's a lot of work, man. It was. But, yeah, no, it was awesome. What a great payoff. Congrats, really. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, so now the... Now the real work begins, the, right? Yeah, but as we were the saying The work before, you want. The, the work that's interesting, Yeah, right? It's yeah, the yeah. work of actually getting to create the thing. Right. Um, you know, that, that's the whole point of doing this, right? was to create a thing. And so now, now we get to do that. Yeah. And you have a thing. Yeah. And hopefully like, <laughs> hopefully by the end of the summer, we've got a full manuscript, right? And so now we can print off a couple of test copies and like hold a rule book. Right. And uh, you should have the first kind of test, uh, casts done by early fall. So that we'll like, literally hold like these are the models yeah. that people are going to get. And yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. It is. Yeah, very it is. cool. Yeah, thank you. 
Definitely so, looking forward to following your, your journey. Yeah, no. It's, oh, yeah. Hopefully it's a journey, right? I mean, <laughs> well, that's what you did this for, right? Yeah. Well, you know? I mean, you know, some people are, uh, you know, firmly convinced that, you know, this is going to be a... Uh, <laughs> welcome, welcome to the Bahamas. Short journey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or that. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah exactly. Yes. Not really sure that's how that works. Yeah, guys. Guys, uh, this is definitely not a thing that I did to become. Rich, so. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, 163 is great and yeah. all, but yes. it doesn't go as far as it no, used to. No, no, not at all. <laughs> but 163 is great for a passion project. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's where this is. And I can't wait to learn more uh, about the lore and wake up in the middle of the night yelling something. <laughs> I'm sure my wife wouldn't exci- be excited about that. Well, it, yeah, I mean, when, you, when you start like screaming out you know, "brotherhood" um, <laughs> psalms at night, yeah, yeah, that could be dangerous. Yeah, just yeah, do not give your wife my phone number because I'm not accepting calls <laughs> um, or or blame for this. But yeah, no, I think this we'll is, blame Rick Tuck. I think this is a great uh, idea, right? Each one of these episodes, let's let's yeah. kind of dive into an area of lore that you're interested in and we'll uh, talk about to help kind of flesh out this universe. That works for me. Sweet. Um, with that, we're going to end it. So <laughs> Jeff and I can record another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you everybody for listening and don't forget to follow us on all the social media platforms.